This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the Southern, the culture of Southern flavor, and the folks like yourself who love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. Today, we will be your guides through the vast and wonderful landscape of the American South and beyond. Food, folks, food. All right, being more resourceful in the kitchen is something that can save you both time and money when preparing your next meal. So between your culinary questions, we'll talk about the lunch at the coronation also. Carol and I are very interested in that. We'll talk about tips uh, and about how to be more resourceful in the kitchen, leftovers, food swaps, and the perfect dishes that you can make. Also, May is National Barbecue Month, and we want to hear about your favorite barbecue joints, your rig, your grilling, and your smoking techniques. We'll also talk about the big lunch. Good morning. It's Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio, and London is calling, Carol. London is calling. London called all weekend. How much time did you spend on the coronation? Malcolm, I have to tell you, I spent a lot of time on Twitter worrying about Prince Harry. Oh, okay. You you, you worried about him being treated badly or well, his and having, arrival you know, and then and having his a return good time and his arrival oh, okay. and his return but yes okay i watched pieces of the coronation fascinating well as most, you said it's where we come from yeah. i mean it's where our country our country came from part here. of our country we come we came from everywhere yeah good morning java how are you sir Oh man, I'm here, man. I'm I'm, I'm glad it's Monday morning, and um, glad that uh, you're back here. Even yeah, though right. Carol and I had a ton had, of fun, we had a ball with Enrica. With Enrica but we t- we said it was like when the cat's away, the yeah. mice will play. <laughs> well, we have team deep south dining. Yes, you know, we yeah. have many many hosts and hosts to and Sus. friends and friends, friends of, of the, show. the show. That's right. Yeah. So in the intro, I ran out of time. Uh, we had so many things we wanted to talk about today, uh, May being National Barbecue Month. And if you want to call us and tell us about your barbecue techniques, how you smoke and grill, what your rig is about, we will talk about that. Uh, we also uh, decided we would talk about leftovers and resourcefulness and food swaps. And then, of course, Carol and I got fascinated about the big lunch which is the coronation yes, meal. Yes, we love a big lunch and a big dinner. Right. Lots of people. So in England, or in the United Kingdom, I suppose, they celebrate the coronation by having everyone has a big lunch, they say. Yeah, I read there were over 65,000 big lunches. At least that's, that's what the official website uh, said. But the big lunch actually has become something they do 
in June. I mean, it's mm. it's all it's it's been kind of a thing since I think about 2009. So they moved it forward this year gotcha. to celebrate community and this time the coronation and community. So we'll we're going to take a deep dive into the big lunch and to the coronation meal in the second part of the show, but. Uh, you know, I've been away, and I, I wanted to share a little bit about my travels. I was—I um, have recently joined the board of the Walter Anderson Museum in Ocean Springs, and we had a retreat. That's the reason I was away on Monday. And the retreat involved getting on a bus and being bused to New Orleans, and our retreat took place at the Ogden Museum of Southern Art. Just one of the finest museums in the South. One of my favorite places to visit. My husband, John, was on the board for many years, so I've been many times. Excellent. And uh, we were holed up there for this retreat at the Ogden, and uh, we were served some really good food. Now, many of our listeners know Donald Link, the New Orleans chef. Oh, my goodness. He has Kushan and the Butcher. Saint. And Herb Saint. He also has a catering company, and they catered our meal, which was this wonderful redfish dish with a lemon blanc sauce on wild rice with these charred Brussels sprouts and a delicious homemade key lime pie. So, And then when we wrapped up our retreat, uh, we got on the bus to drive back to Ocean Springs, and each of us were given a box from Kushan and Butcher, and inside was a muffaletto. How rightful. So good. So you did decide on the bus. Last you talked to Joff and me, you were yes. anti-bus going straight <laughs> to New Orleans, but you couldn't stand not being with the people. Well, that was the deciding factor. They asked that I come to Ocean Springs and ride the bus over and back, and that that was part of the bonding with the board. Did you bond? We did, and the staff. So it was very good, and a fellow was on the bus who was a uh, patron, a volunteer uh, for the uh, at the museum, and he had gone to Perkingston Junior College in the 1950s and lived in the same dorm that we lived in and remembered babysitting Hal and I. Golly, so when man. I tell you I'm glad I got on the bus. Okay, so just brief our listeners on your uh, your formative years and why you have turned out to be Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time for that. But I grew up on the campus of Perkingston Junior College. It's now Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College at Perkingston Campus. Um, and, and many kids from the Gulf Coast came up to Perkinston to go to school. And uh, anyway, we, were, we lived in dorms. My dad was a football coach. He was an administrator. It was a fascinating place to grow up. So. But was this after your mom had passed away? Yes. <clears throat> he you, remembers. And you were how old? Well, I was three when we lost uh, my mom, and Hal was five. And so you moved these two little boys living in a dorm under the influence of football players. And students, You learned yes. everything you needed to know early in life. We did. That is true. But moving along here, so I'm, I'm on the coast, and uh, I decided after the retreat that I would drive over to Bay St. Louis, where I spent 18 years from 2012 until I sold my house in 2020. 
And to see the town for the first time uh, since uh, the sale of the property. So I drove over and spent the night at a new hotel in downtown Bay St. Louis called The Pearl. It's really nice. And inside The Pearl, there are a few restaurants. And one of them is called the Thorny Oyster. I like that name. And our buddy Estes Key and, and I had dinner at the Thorny Oyster. And had, a, again, a wonderful meal of uh, trout almondine, fresh trout, speckled trout. And we had oysters and we had calamari right there on the main drag in Bay St. Louis. The next morning, we convened once more and had breakfast at a little restaurant inside the hotel called Cosmos. And Carol... I ordered the pancakes with soft scrambled eggs. The pancakes were the size of hubcaps. Wow. They were enormous. And there was no way you could eat all of two of them. But Estes and I gave it a good try. And they scrambled the eggs perfectly. Were the eggs on top of the pancakes? No, they were on the side. But I am a stickler for a soft scrambled egg. If I order soft scrambled and it comes out obliterated and hard, Trouble. Nothing but trouble. Michael, you know, what's a perfect scrambled yeah. egg? You just said it was perfectly scrambled. Yes, because it was soft and it had not been muddled and stirred. It had simply been sort of tossed about and allowed to cook and and remained uh, sort of intact. So you, 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 you scramble the eggs before. Right? You know, some people think scrambling eggs is you scramble them while they're cooking. While they're cooking, yeah. No. You scramble them, throw them in, and gently shake them around in the pot, keeping it all fluffy and intact. And you got that, Java? I'm learning because um, I am a in-the-pot type of a person. Scrambler, I know. Yeah. Now, but the, now I know to uh, strive for the, the fluffy cloud egg. That's it. It's a, it's a cloud. Okay. Is and it see, a shaking of the pan? You just, yeah, you move it around while it's – and you can flip it over one time, so, you know, but – you don't want to, to, to don't try it. this at home. He was he worked in a professional kitchen. Okay, that so, was, yeah. So let me say this, Java. Some people like their eggs beaded up and like little pebbles, but not me. Uh, and again, it's just a preference. When I say soft scramble, don't bring me out. You know, a plate of of hard rocks. And now, do you? How do you? Do you do you like your eggs uh, chunked and, 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 and smothered or just regular, just plain fluffy eggs? I like both of those. But okay. whatever you do to them, they, it begins with the cloud, the soft fluffiness. Don't even start with the pebbled, overcooked, you know, disheveled eggs. Not disheveled? Okay. Okay. okay, Java, let's, let's just say this. Malcolm likes his eggs Shaken, not stirred. No, I love it. Okay. Perfect. Love it. Of course, it. of course, Carol would would come with that. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. So anyway, that was breakfast. Um, and also, when I got home, my wife Kara had made a fruit cobbler of of strawberries and peaches, and it was delicious. And uh, it's always good to come home to a cobbler and to Kara and to Kara. Well, uh, Carol, what did you eat while I was away? Well, I've mostly been eating out myself, but at the other end of the spectrum. Hmm. Uh, the best meal I had of the week was at Tougaloo College, where it was fried catfish Friday. 
Mm. And I've been thinking about it ever since. I love, I also had, when I got home, I had fried catfish Friday at Hallamau's. Yeah, I do love catfish Friday. a legendary catfish plate. I had that Friday. You know, you and Java taught me something about fried catfish uh, a few months ago. I was telling you about Lee's Barbecue and Soul Food and Edwards and how Catfish Friday, they're you know, many choices, and I was commenting. I said I could have either had catfish, and they had spaghetti. Right. And y'all told me that catfish and spaghetti are a thing. It's so much a thing. <laughs> and it it changed. It, you know, it's changed my life. I thought we. I was choosing two separate meals. No, no, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, because you want and you don't even want this separation. You want it to kind of ooze, kind of go together. Yeah. yeah. Does it? You know, there are people who I call <clears throat> unit eaters. These are people who do not like any of their food to touch. Yeah, military style. <clears throat> and they will eat <laughs> the catfish and then spin the plate, eat the spaghetti, spin the plate, and eat the lima beans. But they do not want them going down as a unit, nor do they want them touching each other. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I'm not either. I, I like a, a mash and a mush and <laughs> stir all those tastes up <laughs> Together. Yeah, flavors are flavors. That's right. <laughs> Bring on the flavor, Flav. As I travel about the state, I'm always impressed and, and, and made happy by people remarking that they listen to our show, Carol, and they enjoy it. And uh, that means a lot to us, and we appreciate you. We got somebody calling from Anchorage, Alaska here. We'll probably get to that one here in a second. But uh, And I appreciate all those people from all over the country and all over the world, Peru, Portugal, People that have called in. Yeah, we're big in Peru and Portugal. Yeah, we are. All right, so we, you and I, uh, wanted to talk about the uh, the coronation quiche, the, the the dish that was selected by the king, uh, Charles, and uh, one of his chefs says that Charles loves anything that has eggs um, and cream and butter in it and cheese. That the king loves cheese. So. For whatever reason, they chose a quiche to be the official entree, and uh, it is. It and was, like everything about the con- the coronation, it was a huge controversy. Yes, even quiche can be a controversy. <laughs> right. The headlines of the Washington Post said the quiche was a royal mess. Mm. That hurts. That hurts. Poor, poor as, King Charles. I know, as did yeah, – there were so many reasons that you know, <clears throat> people thought the quiche was a royal mistake. Well, you know, the first being that it's known as a French dish, although – German. It's German. There Malcolm, you you're so smart. You knew that. <laughs> German. You knew it. Yes, as much of, of England is. I know, and a lot of people in America think that quiche Lorraine was named for a woman named Lorraine who made up the recipe, but it actually is from the quiche Lorraine from the Lorraine region of France. Yeah, yes. So the the quiche was described as a deep quiche with a crisp, light pastry case and delicate flavors of spinach, Broad beans and fresh tarragon. Now, and you might ask, what is a broad bean? What is a broad bean? And I know you know the answer. Well, and I know you know the answer. It's what we call a fava bean here in the United States of America. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And it is a fascinating bean. It's also called a horse bean 
because a large portion of the fava harvest is used to feed livestock. Only only the large mature beans are harvested for human consumption, and the medium and small beans are used for livestock feeding. Well, there you go. And another thing about the fava bean is it comes in various colors, like brown and green and even black. It's not just green. Well, you heard it here first on Deep South Dining. You know, the Brits love to put fava beans, not fava beans, they love to put beans on everything. Correct. And I know we saw that not just in Great Britain, but we saw it in Ireland when we had... Beans on our breakfast. The breakfast beans. Yes, and the English breakfast. Toast and beans. The Irish breakfast and the English breakfast include beans. One more thing I wanted to say about the fava bean is wouldn't it make a great hummus? Oh, yeah. Just just thinking out loud here. Well, you know, some of the criticisms and, you know, people found everything to criticize about everybody and everything and what people – but these are just some of the criticisms is that – it used lard, mm. animal lard. Wow. I thought it was a vegetarian dish. Well, maybe the filling, but there was lard in the crust. Hmm. And I have the official recipe here. Well, let's put it on our website, the let's Coronation do. Quiche. I'm going to put the Coronation Quiche and Queen Elizabeth's Coronation <gasps> Chicken. The chicken dish. Coronation Chicken from 1953. When she was coronated, it was... Uh, developed by the Cordon Bleu Cooking School in London, and it has become, it has lasted as long as she. It's a standard now. Yeah. The coronation the, chicken. It, the, it outlasted her reign of 70 years. People still make it. It was Is a cream chicken salad. Okay. Cream, a cream chicken salad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, you so know. Who knows so how long we will be celebrating and eating the coronation quiche? It may yeah, become I'll, a staple now. I would like to hear if some people out there actually made it. Well, before we hear from someone who uh, either loves the idea of the coronation quiche or hates it, let's hear from John up in Hernando. He wants to talk about scrambling eggs. What's going on, John? Yes, good morning. Um, enjoy your show very much. I suppose you can tell from my accent. Oh, <laughs> We're worried. <laughs> no, 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 don't be worried at all. Back in the 1970s, I took a Cordon Bleu class, actually, at the school you're talking about in London. And the chef there taught us to uh, scramble eggs with milk. Mm-hmm. So you simmer milk with a little bit of butter in a pan, in a, a deeper pan, then mix up the eggs with a salt and pepper, and you pour them into the hot milk as you're stirring it without boiling the milk to cook the eggs and you allow them to fluff then you drain the milk and serve the eggs and you have the perfect fluffy scrambled eggs french style and there you have john it. i wish that this were a visual medium as well as an audio medium could you you could just the look on malcolm's face when you described this <laughs> it was pure ecstasy he was yes. waving his arms in the air you were you know, you're feeding his image of scrambled eggs. Yes. And his and taste. Are, and the, the smell is wonderful. Mm. It is wunderbar, as they say. Wunderbar. My wife, my wife loves them, and uh, my, my kids used to like that. So. Well, but see, I, I put a bit of water in my eggs before I scrambled them. 
Now, I was taught this when I went to uh, to some cooking classes in New Orleans back in the 70s. I'm tra- I've put milk in before, but not the style in which you've described, which I think is amazing. So I'll have to try that. So give us your take on the carnation quiche, John. You mean the King Charles carnation quiche? Yes. Yes, I, um, I've tried it. Um, my sister made a few, and to be honest with you, I don't really care for it. It has an unusual flavor, which, but it, you know, my taste is not everyone else's taste. So it's the ingredients, the spinach and the tarragon and the broad beans that you didn't like as a combination? Or you just don't yeah, like quiche? It's a combination with the beans and the tarragon. And as you said earlier, or someone did, Yes, the Brits, they love to put beans and everything. You have beans for breakfast. They do, yeah, do love a bean. And, John, one of the, you know, you said it kind of had a weird taste. One of the uh, complaints or criticisms about the quiche, and I had to write down the quote, it was a depressing attempt at seasoning. It was light, yes, light salt and pepper true. and tarragon, and they, <laughs> and it was stated by someone who knows cooking that the tarragon it kind of added a really weird flavor. Yes, yes. My, I have a relative well, passed away now, but I had a, a great uncle years ago. He went to a restaurant, etc., and his, oh, we were at a dinner party at someone's house. And his comment was, if the food was not to his particular liking, he would say, in this case, um, I'm afraid I've lost confidence in the quiche. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very polite way of, I suppose, polite but sarcastic way of saying, I don't really like what you're cooking. We're we're both writing that one down. I have lost confidence so many times. Do you remember back in the, I guess it was the 80s, there was a book called Real Men Don't Eat Quiche? Yes, sadly, I recall that. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, (laughs) yeah, real men do eat quiche, but quiche has always been somewhat controversial. Yes. Do you guys agree? I agree. You know, when we first opened Howl and Mouse, we we had four or five different quiches on the menu. But remember that that was in the mid-80s. And I remember where we got those recipes. This friend of mine had opened up a, a beautiful little cafe in New Orleans on uh, uptown on Oak Street called Cafe Savannah. And uh, all these quiche recipes were his. And my brother Hal went down and spent a couple of weeks down there with this fellow, Danny Summers, great guy. And we got these recipes from him, and they were a huge hit. I mean, it, it, serving quiche in a restaurant in the mid-'80s was a big deal. But Did you slowly, have any fern baskets hanging from the ceiling? <laughs> no. <laughs> but slowly but surely, the quiches fell out of favor and fell off the, rest, off the menu, and they're gone forever, I suppose. Well, I would like to say that they are not. Because if I were being coronated, hmm. I would go to Sunflower oven bakery you know we had those they for our christmas brunch the, i did too the best quiche i have ever tasted it is huge it is deep and it is delicious they should have shipped them over mm. to england and that's right here in jackson uh, it is on indeed. jefferson street 
Uh, I, I want to ask John, and if, is John still on with no, us? No, John left John us, left. But okay, we sure well, do appreciate it. Okay, we do, and we hope he calls in again. Yes, that was a lovely exchange, and we learned a lot and enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you, John. I wanted to ask him about coronation chicken, but next coronation. There's a chicken lover on the phone now. Now, whether it's coronation or not, I don't know, but Chico Harris has joined Chico, us. Chico the chicken lover. Not yet. Well, he's coming up. I see his name on the board. So... So do you think, Carol, that you would try this coronation quiche and that might be in your future? Yes, I'm going to try it this week. I actually printed out a recipe for both of us. So, okay. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, I was thinking about uh, the crust as being really important. What sort of crust would you choose for a quiche, regardless of the ingredients? Well, I... I do love a you know, buttery crush, crush, so <laughs> a crush for a quiche. Yes, and um, I, I like to make my own pastry. I think it's fun, mm-hmm. but I noticed that they are very uh, specific here in the coronation quiche recipe to tell the people that they can also use store bought pastry. Right. They gave them permission. I got. You. I don't have permission. All right. Let's talk to our Northeast Mississippi correspondent. Chico Harris is on the phone. Yo, yo, Chico. Good morning, y'all. What it is. You got got time for a quickie? We got it. First, I want to say very much thank you for the clash at the beginning with the London call. That was good. Thank you, Java. You're welcome, Chico. (laughs) Java. Well, of course that Java did that. He's the coolest. (laughs) And uh, I also want to say that I occasionally use the term of about losing confidence. Hmm. I don't know where I picked that up, but I've, I've used that for, for years. But I got a quickie for y'all. I stopped in Royal Grocery on Highway 6 at Faxon to get a blueberry donut. Yeah. And I was paying for it, and right there on the counter was some local peanut brittle for sale. Ooh. And I'm not a peanut brittle kind of dude. It's a, too brittle. Um but I noticed that they had the regular peanut brittle and they had coconut peanut brittle. Oh, that's scary. Ginger, mm. Oh, well, ginger, ginger likes coconut. And anytime I see something coconut related, I get it for, I got her a coconut soda a couple of weeks ago. But uh, so I bought the, I bought the coconut peanut brittle, which is made by taste and see snacks in New Albany. Okay. And let me tell you, I haven't tried a lot of peanut brittles, but that's the best peanut brittle there is. Taste and see snacks in New Albany. It's absolutely delicious. I went back and got the basic, too, without the coconut. Couldn't stop eating. I stopped like three days in consecutive days and got peanut brittles. So you've been converted. <laughs> He's on a sugar high right now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, the only other place I've seen it for sale is Brooks Grocery. Ah. Uh, you know, what a coincidence. This is a coincidence because I oh, yeah. asked Malcolm this morning, I said, Malcolm, you're a Northeast Mississippi guy. Have you been to Brooks Grocery in Tupelo? And I asked him because uh, Tim Pierce from Memphis, Tennessee, posted a meal he had at Brooks Grocery the other day that looked delicious. And then lots of people piled on and talked about what a wonderful place it is. It's an independent grocery store, been there since 2009, and we're just raving about it. And I thought, surely, surely Malcolm had been there. It's well, a great place. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Ginger 
does their deli, very often brings home meals from there. I like going in there because they have small-town products from all over, especially all over the South, like uh, Tiger Mustard, which has mm. nothing to do with LSU. It's from Cookville, but made in England. It's the best mustard, best yellow mustard I've ever had. It's Brooks is a great place. I think they just had their third anniversary. And I like it feels the people there are super nice. I think management stresses be nice to people. Mm. And when I go in there, I, it feels kind of a, it has kind of a space age feel. When I lived in San Francisco over 30 years ago, there was a supermarket in the Marina District near Fort Mason. I can't remember the name, but it had that same space age feel. And they had root beer flavored milk. Which Brooks doesn't have, but they've got all kind of stuff, and I recommend it. And I got to get on the road, y'all. All right, Chico, okay. thanks a million, man. And Malcolm, Bye. we wanted to say that Brooks is also in Iuka and Chapel I Hill, Tennessee. So I'm hoping some of our uh, Northeast people will tell us more about it at some point on another show. Absolutely. We may even have somebody from there on the we show. We may. We may. I, I have been to Brooks. Uh, grocery in Iuka many times when I'm up on Pickwick Lake uh, staying at Eastport. It's very convenient. It's right there in Iuka. And uh, anyway, Malcolm and Carol, I'm sitting in the, um, in, in the booth with a fan of Brooks Grocery, our newest MPB Think Radio team member, Abram Nanny. He was he lit up when he heard Brooks and he said some of the best wings he's ever had. Well, that was <laughs> what Tim, Tim Pierce posted a beautiful picture of wings. Yes. This is how our show works, folks. Uh, often you decide what we talk about, even though we have a plan and we just easily shuttle it. And move right to what the callers yes, want to talk it's about. It's easy to shift our attention. <laughs> so let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about all of the above. You know, we've we've talked about leftovers and this concept of upcycle leftovers. But Carol, you've added a topic that I'm fascinated by, and that's Pyrex. And so we're going to talk oh about Pyrex. Yep. You've done some research, and uh, there's a lot here that people don't know about Pyrex. We're going to enlighten them. <laughs> we are. Deep South Dining, Malcolm White, Carol Palmer, and Java Chapman. Thank you for joining us this morning. We uh, we've chewed, we have uh, selected more than we can chew on here this morning. <laughs> we have so many We're topics fast. flowing out there. Uh, the, this up upcycle leftovers. We, this idea of being more resourceful. We talked about it briefly, and we'll continue to to keep it brief. But you know, using your leftovers for me is a really big deal. Some people hate leftovers; they don't use them. But think about making quesadillas and, and salads using leftovers and a fatata or even a quiche left. You know, all the things you can put in a quiche yeah. that were leftovers would, would make a fabulous quiche. I use leftovers in pasta a mm, lot. Same. I use leftovers in stir fry a lot. I can take old rice and mm-hmm. old vegetables and like, you know, I never let like one last chicken breast or chicken thigh or drumstick go to waste. I I just, you know, uh, break it down, put it in a Ziploc and ready for a meal. Same here. And I I love salads. And so I like to put a lot of leftover things in the fridge on top of my salads and toss it in there with a a bit of dressing. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, be more resourceful. Think about ways to use your leftovers and, uh, you know, Grocery prices are high, and this is one way to save a bit of money. And also, you know, food swaps. Uh, I often take friends' food, and friends bring me food. 
And uh, Java, is this uh, this food swap concept something that uh, goes on at the Chapman household? Yeah, we're always just trying to, you know, do different things with uh, three kids, a full family. We're on a budget. So, yeah. you know, we can't always go for the for the big ticket items. But, you know, instead of um, the freshest or, or frozen things, canned items are always, always good. And, um, you know. We, we just make it happen yeah. on a daily basis. Well, that's great. Um, we've got a caller we'd like to take um, from Fulton up in northeast Mississippi. Rebecca's on the phone, and she wants to remind us, I suppose, and also talk to us a little bit about Mother's Day, which is coming up on Sunday. Hello, Rebecca. Good morning. How are you? Pretty good. How are y'all? Oh, we're good. Thanks. Well, great. I just I, I called because I, uh, I'm, I'm not a mother, but I wanted to do something for mothers, you know, for Sunday, and I was just trying, I was sort of at a loss of what, you know, what to do for, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure, I hope that the mothers get to go out to eat on Sunday, um, you know, but I, I really don't, I mean, hmm. I, I, I don't know, I just thought about, you know, I don't what to do for Mother's Day, yeah. Quiche. <clears throat> well, quiche is a great <laughs> idea, but how about uh, the chicken dish the uh, the coronation chicken that's a very popular dish uh, created for a woman for a mother mm-hmm. yes and i found uh the recipe this morning the classic coronation chicken uh it it's a it's like a curried chicken salad it has uh chutney in it uh, dried apricots i mean hmm. it just sounds wonderful for a lunch, and it, I mean, it's real s- similar to things I think we do all the time. But it just made me so happy to know this was developed for Queen Elizabeth and has stood the test of time. And there's so many recipes that co- go in and out of style, and this is truly a classic. And you know, when I think about my mom and my grandmother, I think about like a fruit salad, ambrosia. Ambrosia. It also and- integrates coconut. You know, and remember the molded fruit, frozen fruit salads and, you know, all the congealed salads. Mm -hmm. The moles. The jiggly stuff. The jiggly stuff. The one where you kick the table just so you can laugh when when the salad moves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just, you know, I feel feel for these young mothers that have, Uh you know, that, you know, newborn babies and stuff, and I just wanted right. to do something nice for them, and I just couldn't, you know, um, I'm talking about a group of people, yeah. and I'm like, okay. That is such uh, a kind thought. It is. Let me recommend lasagna. <laughs> No, seriously, you can feed no. a lot of people with, okay. you can. with a Pyrex dish of lasagna. Indeed. Okay. And you can make it so many ways. It doesn't Artichoke have to be lasagna. Doesn't is my have to be ground favorite. beef. You yeah. know, it could be ground beef. It could be uh, a ragu sauce or a sauce already made. Who knows? A vegetable lasagna. Yeah. Correct. But that would be every mother's friend. But anyway, thanks Rebecca for listening and calling, and happy Mother's Day to all of those who are mothers out there in the listening audience. We appreciate you. Your special day coming up Sunday. Also, you can't forget about a good breakfast if you're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's my secret weapon. <laughs> Not yeah. so secret to, weapon. For like you brunch. and the kids yeah. to give mom breakfast. Give mom a nice nice yeah. breakfast in bed. You Excellent. Know, 
some easy pancakes, some nice fluffy. I was going to say, are you going to try the new fluffy scrambled eggs? I'm going to try the fluffy scrambled eggs. I know my tried and true, so I, if I if I don't get it quite right, I can just beat them to death. And... <laughs> oh, as long as you, as long as mom is happy, it doesn't matter what I think. Amen. amen. Well, Carol, you shared some great interesting stuff with me about Pyrex. I'm still a little confused. However, as usual, I was looking through our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping, you know, checking the community, seeing what's going on. And Janet Smith Wagner actually posted this article from uh, a magazine called Simply Recipes. And it asked, what is the difference between Pyrex and Pyrex? That's all capital letters, Pyrex, P-Y-R-E-X, versus lowercase or capital P. There are three spellings. Yeah. So Corning, the Corning Company in Corning, New York, invented Pyrex in 1915, and it was all made with borosilicate glass, which Mm. made it resistant to major temperature changes. And so that was really a game changer because it meant you could – you know, go straight from cooking something to putting it right in the oven, you know, the Pyrex right. casserole. The measuring The Pyrex, Pyrex measuring cup, cup was mm. born. Ubiquitous. And people who commented on this article said, you know, their Pyrex measuring cups are, you know, 30 years right. old and still going strong. And Belong other people say, say, oh, my red writing is um, fading. fading and I must go out and find new Or my Pyrex. eyesight is fading, one or the other, or both. So, actually, Corning owns both trademarks, the uppercase. Trademark. (laughs) Well, they owned both both the uppercase and the lowercase, and they were used interchangeably. Hmm. Like you might see lowercase on one, uppercase on the other. And then they licensed those names to two different companies who now Hmm. produce the glassware trouble that's where the trouble comes yes. in yes okay capital letter pyrex p y r e x all caps. all caps you will find that in europe africa and the middle east mm. and it is still made with borosilicate glass what about iuka <laughs> in iuka it's lowercase 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 pyrex in the united states and the rest of North America and Asia. And they do not use the borosilicate glass anymore. They are made with a tempered soda-lime glass, which makes it durable, more durable than regular glass. And it it is heat-resistant, but it's not as heat-resistant as the capital letter. Capital P. Y-R-E-X. More durable, you're saying, but not available in the United States. No, no. Little Pyrex is available in the United States, and it is not as durable. I mean, it's durable, but it's not as durable. So there could be an oven explosion. But there's some tips, some tips. Avoid drastic changes, sudden drastic changes in Mm. temperature. Right. So do not pour That is also true for humans. It is. So do not, Malcolm, pour boiling liquid into a cold Pyrex glass. Check. Let it cool down from pulling it from the oven before, you know, putting your Pyrex dish 
in the sink in cold water. Check. So you just have to be aware. Mindful. Don't put frozen or refrigerated casseroles straight from the freezer into a hot oven. And don't put your cookware under the broiler. You could have trouble. Yes. Uh, you know, I've blown up a few Pyrex dishes in my time. Yeah, yeah. Um, by probably doing one of those three or four things exactly. you mentioned. Exactly. And, and I see pictures on cooking and coping from time to time mm. with people yeah. blowing up Not good. a dish. But just be careful. That's, that's common sense. Just don't shock your Pyrex, right. especially if it's a little pea. Be kind to your Pyrex. Yes. And it will it, be kind to you through the decades that's right all right so one of the other things that we have shared over the week was an email about things not to order in restaurants i mean good oh, lord i was i would really really enjoyed that yes uh, one of there's so many that i agree and disagree with and the one that i, I and take, this is because of price i've lost I mean, confidence this is, in this one yeah but this is because Listeners, we are talking about not ordering these, not because they're bad for you or they're not good. It's because they run up the price in a really big way on a restaurant yes. menu. So come on, Malcolm. Well, the, the one that gets on my nerves is it says, do not order bread for the table. I love bread. I know you do. And most restaurants no longer serve bread with a meal. Yeah, and you can pay $7.50 for you, a basket of bread. You get gouged. Yep. But, you know, restaurants have to make a living also. I, I agree. But we are doing the people a favor by just reminding them if you don't want to spend a lot on your meal, I mean, spend it on your meal and beware of hidden costs. And here's the other one, Carol, that should drive you insane. Don't order extra sauces. It drives me insane because... You know how much – well, both of us, we do love condiments. We love and them. now when you order like an extra sauce or bring me this, I mean, it's a, it's 50 cents. I know. Some people even charge for ketchup. Yeah. And certainly comeback is one that I've personally had to struggle with. We used to put comeback on the tables with crackers. In and bottles. then some people would come in and like eat, me. eat four baskets of crackers, crackers and, and come back. a whole bottle of comeback and then order – a grilled cheese. Yeah. Well, I was one of those, and that used to be— Because they're not hungry anymore. That used to be a happy thing to get a whole table full of women and order a basket of crackers and do the whole bottle yeah. of comeback. It's, it's so the ultimate— you have them in the little nut cups. Yeah, the nut little. cup. It's the, it's the original and the really the quintessential redneck hors d'oeuvre, comeback and crackers. And what could be better? I love it. I, I do, too. Okay. okay, what are some of the other suggestions uh, in the article that well, we shared? Well, you know, a side of rice. Mm. I mean, have you noticed that a side of rice is now like four fifty or $5? It's hard. That's, That's tough. hard because mm -hmm. some things need rice. Right. And so you have to be really careful when you're going to a, an Asian restaurant to see which dishes you order come with, with? rice. Because a lot of times... I found this recently in an Indian restaurant. You order the the meat, mm -hmm. the curry. The protein and the curry. The protein, mm -hmm. the protein, the curry. And the curry comes, and there's no rice with it. I mean, curry needs rice. Got to have it. Four fifty. Yeah. Well, what restaurant, else you got? Yeah. Restaurants are trying to make a living here. 
Okay, the the one that I really enjoyed was the blooming onion. <laughs> and, as I told you, I said I thought blooming onions were just over. I thought we'd finally gotten rid of the blooming onions. That's, like, that's on the do not order list. Yes. Well, oh. it's on. No, well, it's on. The, it drives the cost way up, and it says you can make this at home. And so this. No is, one makes let, blooming now, onions at home, especially when I'm sitting down at the restaurant. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we've it, lost confidence in that suggestion. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it, the article that Malcolm sent me talked about how entirely easy it was to make a blooming onion at home. No, and I can tell you that no. I have to fry yeah. fish. I have to fry brim. <laughs> Yesterday, I had to fry oysters. And it makes a mess of my kitchen. And I have you're to not drain s- the oil, and I and I have to do that because this is the food that my husband loves. But I am not going to splash oil all over my kitchen for a blooming onion. A blooming onion, yeah. no, not happening. <laughs> what else is on the list, Carol? Shishito peppers. Why, why would you, shishito? Why would you not order shishitos? Well, because this article said that. It drives up the cost of your meal, and you can easily do it at home by putting oil in a skillet, blackening <clears> your peppers, <throat> dumping them out, and sprinkling sea salt and keeping on them. them in the refrigerator. But not many people do that. I yeah. believe this article is an advocate for eating at home. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, too. Just don't go to the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, and it also was and you talking, won't drive up the cost. <laughs> it was talking about, about black and Brussels sprouts, which have become a thing over the past few years. Those? Well, it was saying, you know, it'll run your your meal up like seven ninety five, eight ninety five, and how easy it is to do at home. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We don't read know lots now. of stuff. We, and do we share read lots it because of sometimes stuff. It, we get a good chuckle out of it. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, oh, wedge salad. Yeah, I saw that one. Do not order a wedge salad. Make it at home. Yes. So you take a head of ice plate. Take a head of iceberg lettuce and quarter it. And pour some blue cheese dressing and a little bit of bacon crumbles on Maybe it. Maybe throw an anchovy on yeah. it. And and don't leave the house. <laughs> no. Now, that one I but can go right. with. That's a, uh, I mean, Java, a you're salad. right. You this is that. about eating at home, which which we support. Yeah. But don't you love the stuff Malcolm sends us during the week? No, I, I just I, I bet Java rolls his eyes every time I hit send. <laughs> I, no, I want I wonder where these things come from because I'm like these are f- so frequent, <laughs> and then and then also too the range. There's different <laughs> different ranges of things to not to buy at the restaurant, and then the secret to uh, you know disposing of your grease or something. Yeah, know, it's, just, just, it's a wide variety. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to change the topic back to cooking and coping. Uh, okay. we, we have Good a, idea. a blast from the past during COVID, <laughs> during COVID, when we first started cooking and coping, one of our listeners in cooking and coping early posters named Beth Kitchings. Yes, I know Beth. She uh, had a photograph of a dish she did called a Dutch baby, yes. which I had never heard of, but Obviously, you know, I was kind of naive about this. And the Dutch baby is a fluffy 
German pancake. It is actually not Dutch. Well, it started a craze. So every time you'd log on cooking and coping, there were Dutch babies everywhere. And they everywhere. Were so much fun to make. It was like an outbreak. Yeah, you, you pour it in a cast iron pan. You couldn't put cream on it know, fast it, enough. It, and it fluffs up, and people were doing Dutch babies. Well, 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 well. Well, here we are today. Here we are today. <laughs> Kathleen Connor Strickland. Mm-hmm. I believe you. She, you're a friend of hers on her face on her Facebook. That's page. correct. And she's a good poster, but she did a lemon blueberry Dutch baby, and ignited a new Dutch baby run. And and off we're off to the races. Yes, we are. And the the recipe actually came from a website she found on Instagram called alexandracooks.com. Hmm. But I've got the recipe for a Excellent. lemon blueberry Can we Dutch post baby. That also, yes, and I'm going to be um, doing this this week. Lemon and blueberry. I recommend it. Lemon blueberry. It just looks and I sounds delicious. And I've seen now seen several pictures of one people have made. It is the easiest thing to make a Dutch baby. Hmm. And it's one of those things that gives you a lot of bang for your buck. It looks real dramatic and fluffy and fun. And Javi, your kids would be so impressed. Yeah. Yeah, they like my pancakes now. I'm going to have to try this Dutch baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't even have to do the lemon blueberry, but they will think it's really, really fun. Got okay. a few minutes left, Carol. Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. You know, it just slipped away from me this year. You didn't even. And, you know, I, I used to go. I, my yeah. dad my dad and I would go, and I still have all my big hats, but I didn't even make derby pie. Hmm, our what friend, about you? No, I watched a little bit of it. It, it wears me out. It's it's too much build-up. It's build two up to, minutes of, you, yeah. Java, Kentucky Derby? Uh, it's, it's only for the fashion. Only for the fashion. And did yeah. you see anything that got you going? Um, the big hats. Yeah. <laughs> Next year, I'm going to wear one of them. Ellen mine. Rogers Daniels went this year, and she looked great. She was in green. Hmm. Looking good out there, girl. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by the generous contributions from folks like you, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Palmer, I'm Malcolm White. We ask that you now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's program, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. Please join us every Monday and every Sunday for more Deep South Dining, heard exclusively on MPB Think Radio. We're on at 9 o'clock on Mondays and 9 o'clock on Sundays. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 